0: Chapter 14 of Bill Nye's Cordwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Bill Nye's Cordwood by Bill Nye. Bill Nye's Arctic, Lee the excitement consequent upon the anticipated departure of mr gilder for the north pole has recently awakened in the bosom of the american people a new interest in what i may term that great terra incognita if i may be pardoned for using a phrase from my own mother tongue let us for a moment look back across the bleak waste of years and see what wonderful progress has been made in the discovery of the pole. We may then ask ourselves, who will be the first to tack this location notice on the nod and season-crack surface of the pole itself, and what will he do with it after he has filed upon it? Iceland, I presume, was discovered about 860 AD, or 1026 years ago, but the stampede to Iceland has always been under control, and you can get quarter lots in the most desirable cities of Iceland, and wear a long rickety name with links in it like a rosewood sausage. Today at a low price, Naddodur, a Norwegian Viking, discovered Iceland AD 860 but he did not live to meet lieutenant greeley or any of our most celebrated northern tourists why nadodur earned to go north and discover a colder country than his own why he should seek to wet his feet and get icicles down his back in order to bring to light more snowbanks and chilbanes, i cannot at this time understand why should a robust and prosperous viking roam around in the cold trying to nose out more frostbitten esquimaux when he could remain at home and vike but i leave this to the thinking mind let the thinking mind grapple with it it has no charms for me moreover i haven't that kind of a mind Another Norwegian gentleman sailed around North Cape and crossed the Arctic Circle in 890 A.D., but he crossed it in the night and didn't notice it at the time. Two or three years later, Eric the Red took a large snow shovel and discovered the east coast of Greenland. Eric the Red was a Northman, and he flourished about the ninth century and before the war. He sailed around in that country for several years, drinking bay rum and bears oil and having a good time. He wore fur underclothes all the time, winter and summer, and invaded the pole tax for a long time. Eric also established a settlement on the southeast coast of Greenland, in about latitude 60 degrees north these people remained here for some time sub-existing on shrimp salad sea moss farina and neat's foot oil but finally they became so bored with the quiet country life and the backward springs that they removed from there to a land that is fairer than day to use the words of another they removed during the holidays leaving their axle grease and all they held dear including their remains from that on down to 1380 we hear or read varying and disconnected accounts of people who have been up that way acquired a large red chubain made an observation and died representatives from almost every quarter of the globe have been to the far north eaten their little hunch of jerked polar bear and. then the polar bear has eaten his little hunch of jerked explorer and so the good work went on the polar bear with his wonderful retentive faculties has succeeded in retaining his great secret regarding the pole together with the man who came there to find about it so up to 1380 a large number of nameless explorers went to the celebrated watering-place shot a few pemmican ate a jerked whale shuddered a couple times and died it has been the history of arctic exploration from the earliest ages men have taken their lives and a few doughnuts in their hands wandered away into the uncertain light of the frozen north made a few observations to each other regarding the backward spring and then cached their skeletons forever in 1380 two italians named lem took a load of sun-kissed bananas and made a voyage to the extreme north but the historian says that the accounts are so conflicting and as the stories told by the two brothers did not agree and neither ever told it the same on two separate occasions the history of their voyage is not used very much years rolled on boys continued to go to school and see in their geographies enticing pictures of men in expensive fur clothing running sharp iron spears and dangerous stab knives into ferocious white bears and snorting around on lake cakes of cold ice and having a good time These inspired the growing youth to rise up and do likewise, so every nation neath the sun has contributed its assortment of choice, white skeletons and second-hand clothes to the remorseless maw of the hungry and ravenous north, and still the great pole continued to squeak on through days that were six months long and nights that made breakfast seem almost useless. In 1477, Columbus went up that way, but did not succeed in starving to death. He got a bird's-eye view of a large deposit of dark blue ice, got hungry, and came home. During the 15th and 16th centuries, the northern nations of Europe, and especially the Dutch, kept the discovery business red-hot but they did not get any fragments of the true pole the maritime nations of europe together with other foreign powers dynasties and human beings for some time had spells of visiting the polar seas and neglecting to come back it was the custom then as it is now to go twenty rods farther than any other man had ever been eat a deviled bootleg curl up and perish thousands of the best and brightest minds of all ages have yielded to this wild desire to live on sperm oil painkiller, and jerked walrus keep a little blue diary for thirteen weeks and then feed it to a tall white bear with red gums that is not all millions of gallons of whiskey are sent to these frozen countries and used by the explorer in treating the untutored esquimaux who are not and never will be voters it seems to me utterly ill-advised and shamefully idiotic end of chapter fourteen recording by lindemarie nielsen vancouver b c